Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Sift Takers Snapshots podcast. My name's Bob D, and with me for this episode is Dan Slobodian. Hello. The internet is going into meltdown at the moment over the lists that were played at the UK System Open uh, event recently, in particular what we're calling the, the handbrake list and the Oaky Cloaky Phantoms. And there are, there are serious debates going on about the merits of those lists in terms of their playability and whether they're a lot of fun. But actually, they represented a fairly small chunk of the, the overall cut. There were only a couple of handbrake hands that made it all the way into the top 32. And only four of the Oaky Cloaky Phantoms. So the rest of the cut was a real mix of all seven of the factions, I think. Were there any of the First Order? Yes, there was two First Order lists. Um, every, everyone was represented in the uh, the top X, whatever it was. It Was it a 62, 63? Something, something like, like that, yeah. Something like that. But yeah, all seven factions were represented in that. I think a few of them quickly got knocked out. But yeah, at least one of everything got through. And we thought what we might do in this episode is take a look at some of the uh, more interesting lists that made it through to the top 32. And I think I would like to start, Dan, with the with Robert Carr's triple Skurg list. There were a few of the triple Skurg and Dreyers that made it through, but Robert ran a, a less conventional list. Uh, he was running Sol Sixer with an ion turret and a veteran turret gunner and proximity mines. He had Nim with seismics, protons, an ion cannon, veteran turret gunner and trajectory simulator and obviously the title to enable the the tragedy and then a late revenant uh running an ion cannon a bomblet generator and again a veteran turret gunner do you reckon that's better than the 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 Drea plus three well it's interesting because it, it's very i think it's very different from the Drea plus three really Drea plus three has one thing going for it and that is it's got a lot of modified attacks a lot, you know, it's throwing a lot of dice. They've all got some modification, and it's just hoping to push damage at you as quickly as possible. This, I feel like, has got um, an element of board control. Well, swapping Drea for all the bombs, basically, um, and instead of having dorsal turrets, having ion cannons. So a lot more control, a, a lot of a lot more of dictating where your opponent can go using the bombs and things like that. So it's certainly interesting. I, I'm not sure how I'd approach it because you don't really want to take it head on with those veteran turret gunners and the ion cannons, but then you don't really want to be behind it either with all the bombs and things. Yeah, and it's got it's got those turrets so that it can cover a lot of the board with arc. Bombs aren't, of course, an arc, but they do present a threat in that rear arc. Yeah. And with, with multiple ion cannons, they're also presenting a real threat to, to aces. Absolutely, yeah. I, I'd be. I, I generally tend to use um, aces, especially um, things like phantoms. Um, and I'm much more scared of ion cannons than I am of dorsal turrets. Yes, dorsal turrets can do more damage, but really, generally, it's only one more damage. Whereas the ion tokens spell doom for for most aces, <laughs> especially when comboed with bombs as well. So yeah, it's a really nice list. I like it a lot. So you think it, it, that, that list would, would have game for Phantoms? I think it would come a lot down to player skill because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the bombs, apart from Nim's bombs, which can obviously be launched forwards, all the other bombs are going to be 
behind uh, Sol and the Lock Revenant. So you know, it it depends on whether the uh, the Phantom player can you know outmaneuver those by using the decloak and things like that. You know, it, I think it'd be quite a cagey game. Um, but also, I think I probably have to put it a little bit in the, in the Phantom's favor because these these guys only have one agility. Uh, they, they've got 10 health, but one agility against three lots of Duke is probably going to go down quite fast. Yeah, yeah. And and against Handbrake Ham, you're looking at a lot of fire coming in with very little defence against it. And whilst yeah. those bombs can chip away at Ham, they're going to take too long to make real progress with him, I would have thought. Yeah, I would have thought so as well. Yeah. So it's a really nice list. I, I'm not surprised it's got as far as it did because it's it's not really like a lot of other things that are in you know that are around at the moment so um yeah i can i can see why it's done well okay anything in the top 16 that you uh, thought was unusual yeah so we uh, have another list to look at in the top 16 it's uh i have no idea how to pronounce this i apologize if this is you but is it leaf tangstad that sounds pretty good Cool. I'm glad. <laughs> um, he had sort of the the classic rebel uh, efficiency squad. So you, he had a, a blue squadron B wing with a jamming beam and a tractor beam. Uh, he had a three lots of naked bandits. The the initiative one Z95s. He had a initiative two X wing and an initiative two U wing with tactical officer and layer. So there's a hell of a lot to get through with that. There is. That is a lot of beef, definitely. And I saw uh, our buddy Ben Hibbert losing to that list as Leaf was heading up to the the top sixteen. Ben was running uh, a mixed arms imperial list and just couldn't get a dent. There were too many targets, mm. and it took too long for each to take each one of them out. And in the meantime, of course, you've, you've got Leaf trying to use the tractor beam to reduce agility and move a target into the the arc of the naked bandit and if you're moving from three green dice to two or two green dice to one all Mm. of a sudden those bandit attacks start to look really good yeah definitely as you say like it's it's just sort of a case of who do you shoot first you probably want to shoot uh, the b-wing first but if you can't take it down in a round you know you're better off trying to get guns off the board it's it's a hard decision yeah, I mean, I think it, it will probably start to fall to pieces if you chip off the Z95s. They're easier kills, although yeah. two green dice. But once you get rid of those three, you've got really very little left uh, yeah. in terms of arc and, and board control and board coverage. It's the bandits that make the difference for me on this list because they can cover so much territory on the board that they are a real threat. And if you choose to go instead for the X-Wing or the U-Wing or the B-Wing, it's going to take you some time to get through it and those bandits are are going to do well. But I think well done, Lee, for for getting this list uh, as far as he did. That's that's pretty impressive with what is, is a pretty unsophisticated is is a little bit insulting, I guess, but. It's not trying to do anything fancy. It's just trying to be flown well and, yeah. and use raw efficiency to to do a number on its opponents. Yeah, definitely. It's, as you say, it is an efficiency list, no, no doubt about it. And obviously, like you say, Leaf's got to be a, a really good player to get all the way to the top 16. I think if he's doing things like you know cycling out the damaged Z95s or using them to block so that they're not going down quickly, forcing his opponents to 
to change targets mid-game, then you know that's that's all down to player skill. When you've got a list that, as you say, is is as simplistic if you like uh, as this one, you know, it's it is just throwing dice at you. It's got a lot of health and just uh, going to take you down due to raw efficiency. Moving on up to the the top eight, another name where we may need to offer an apology, uh, Jack Tomasuski, I think it's pronounced, uh, who was running. Porkins, uh, Wedge with Crackshot, and Cassian Andor with Leia and also Braylon. So a stress-related squad. But mm. I want to just talk a little bit about what he had on Porkins. Yeah. Porkins was running Chopper, and Chopper has an action to spend one non-recurring charge from another equipped upgrade to recover one shield. And he also had Elusive. And Elusive, of course... Uh, while you defend, you can spend one charge to re-roll the defense dice. And after you fully execute a red maneuver, recover one charge. And it's a non-recurring charge. The recurring charges are the ones that, that build themselves back up at the end of the rounds automatically. So it does work with Chopper, which when I was looking at this list came as a, as a bit of a bit of a surprise. So Porkins is, is doing a K-turn or a Talon roll. Then he receives a stress. Then he rolls an attack dice to uh, remove the stress and takes any hits that he might roll. But if he does get unlucky and he takes that three out of eight chance of taking a damage, he's then recovered elusive because he's just executed a red maneuver. And his action, instead of taking the action he was intending to, he just recovers the shield he's dropped. Mm. That's in addition to the fact that Porkins can carry on regenerating those shields throughout the game. So it is a, a potentially infinite combo for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like this before, this sort of infinite regen idea. Um, I thought we'd left that behind in the days of 1.0, but it's really interesting that I, I don't think anyone else has found this combination before. Well, the, it, the contrast with Handbrake is really interesting because mm. the argument that's being run by folk on the net is not that it's good, it's not that um, it's, it's an easy win list. It's that, no, we admire the purity of the game and these sorts of infinite loops are not the sort of thing we want in 2.0. But everyone's overlooking Jack Tomaszewski making the top eight with one of these. And nobody's moaning about Chopper with Elusive on, on Porkins. Yeah, that's, very, that's really interesting, uh, especially because he's got Cassian in there as well. Yes. Who at the start of the activation phase, he can choose a friendly ship at range one to three and remove a stress token. So Jet can almost do those red maneuvers. You know, if he doesn't need to recharge the shield in that round, he doesn't even have to risk his own ability. He can just wait, uh, remove the the stress token with Cassian and have his whole dial opened up to then recharge the shield next time. Yeah, I think the thinking is probably, though, that Cassian's there to support Braylon. There were yeah, quite definitely. a few... There were quite a few in the top 32 that were Cassian Braylon combos. And, right. and Braylon's using the barrel roll focus to gain the stress for the re-roll. Yeah. Uh, try, trying to fail the action very often. But then it's then it's being stripped with Cassian at the start of the round uh, so that he can get on and, and do a red manoeuvre or, or move to wherever he needs to go and yeah. either perform the action or or take the red manoeuvre for the, the stress on, on himself. Yeah. So I think Cassian's more kind of linking with Braylon, but it's a bit of a, a mess with your mind kind of a list. Yeah, definitely. It's still got I, that element of, of rebel beef, though, hasn't it? It's still a U-wing, a B-wing, and two X-wings. You know, there's, 
those letter combinations that we that we see um, even in, in hyperspace as well. Yes, indeed. And and talking of hyperspace, uh, Alan Watson, lovely Alan Watson of uh, Team IQ over in Huddersfield, finally convinced the rest of his team that he's as good as they are by doing rather better than the rest of them. Uh, he took a scum list into the top eight. He had Predator Fen. He had Bobber with a perceptive co-pilot and then L337 running a tactical officer. It's a very straightforward, elegant list that yeah. you're going to need to to wield like with like you're wielding a, scal- a scalpel. You know, it's a real surgical set of ships. And he's coming in at 192. Interesting. OK, going for that bid. Uh, he's, I mean, he's got an I-5 and an I-6 in there both very popular initiatives these days so that's got to be good for him yeah and it's it's one of those lists where if you get your approach right you manage to get Fenrau into that range one where he's not taking too much incoming fire and you back that up with bobber in the same turn where there's a load of re-rolls and uh, an arc on the target you can do some really horrible things to people yeah definitely fen just loves to live at range one like to be honest, in fact, actually, just just this week, I tried Fen for one of the first times. I, I'm not not really generally been a big fan of his because he tends to just explode whenever I fly him. But I played him this week and just stuck him straight into range one a couple of times, and I was amazed at how how resilient he was at range one. Um, I really hadn't you know hadn't quite clocked uh, about just sort of you know changing uh, result to an evade and rolling an extra die that. It, it, it really does make a big difference. So you can just throw him in there. Um, and Boba too. They both they both like to live close to the enemy. Well, I think Fen will probably struggle against the hand builds. He's always struggled against Han, with Han having that side arc to, to take him on. And if you were to take Han with a, an even greater bid than, than the eight points that Alan was packing, then you are looking at Han making his decisions after Fen. Potentially yeah, getting Fen in the side arc and then getting around that Concord Dawn title to yeah. uh, to make his life really messy. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the strengths of, of Handbrake Han is that he's got eight different finishing points. So especially if he is moving after Fen, Fen very much likes to be at range one. So just choose whichever of those eight points isn't range one um, and you're golden. Um, I think Jack was running uh, Handbrake Han at one nine one. I think. Yes, so, he was. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could just drop Predator off of Fen in uh, Alan's build and he'd be at 190. Um, and then Fen's in a much happier position at that point. Yeah, although just take big rocks. And it's all very well talking about eight finishing positions. But rocks is rocks is rocks. And if you use uh, rocks properly and you manage to uh, persuade Han that uh, if he stays where he is, he's, uh, he's in a bad spot. So he needs to move to one of those other seven positions. And then he uh, miscalculates where the rocks are. He's in real trouble. And it's a proper positional game. I'm looking forward next weekend to getting out to Denver for the system open. Excellent. And if the Minox are to be believed, then the only ships there are going to be Phantoms and Falcons. I have a feeling, I have a feeling that there will be, like there was in Milton Keynes, a much, much greater diversity of ships there. Uh, Interesting seeing so many Lulo and, and Tally builds from the the resistance i expect them to be popular but i would be surprised if we ended up with with table after table of of phantoms and falcons yeah i mean any big event is is going to 
you know, have a lot of variety because it will attract all sorts of players. Some people are going with the intention of winning. Some are going just with the intention of flying the ships that they enjoy. So I think there will be a, a big diversity. It will be interesting to see what the diversity of the cut is like, but that remains to be seen. What are you thinking about taking with you, Bob? Well, I'm looking to take something where seven hours time zone jet lag plus 15 hours of travel the day before doesn't mean that my head is spinning as soon as I put it on the table. So I'm taking some <laughs> tedious triple skurgs uh, with Drea. So I'll see how they see how they get on. The main thing I'm, I'm looking to do is to get over there and just enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy playing in the States. It's been a, a couple of years since I've, I've played over in the US and I am very, very excited to, to go and uh, meet up with Colm and enjoy an American system open. But in the meantime, uh, we have a hyperspace qualifier at Funboy 3. If you're downloading this uh, on release, then you still have time, I think, to pick up a ticket uh, because they've expanded that. So you can get yourself down to Fanboy 3 in the centre of Manchester and play some hyperspace X-Wing. You'd have to be pretty quick about it, as I think this is coming out on Monday. And it is Monday that the trial is on. So uh, if you happen to be within quick driving distance, then come join us. Yeah, it'd be great to see you. And if, if uh, you are there, please do come and say hello. But in the meantime, we'll be back on Wednesday to let you know how we got on at Fanboy 3. It's Tadar from Dan. Tara. And Tadar from me, Bob D. Bye-bye. Put your right side in.